0: Bibles, go to the book of Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. I got to share this with you. Um, I'm very thankful that my children have the freedom and the opportunity to go to a good uh, Bible believing church. Um, I was, uh, my wife and I were taking care of some things in the house yesterday, doing a little bit of work, and the kids were outside and were playing nicely with one another, which is nothing short of a miracle. Amen. Um, but uh, Brother Schrick had, had given us a trampoline earlier in the year, and they were out on that trampoline, George, and they were jumping around, having a big time. Well, I check on them every couple of minutes. My wife and I take turns because generally something happens. Somebody screams. But nothing, nothing, nobody was screaming, so you check more when that is happening. And uh, we peeked out, and I watched them for about three or four minutes, and they were playing Dave and Goliath, and they were taking turns, and I would watch one of them as they'd swing their arm, and let it go, and then the other one would just fall over, crumple over, and then the one that had thrown the stone would run over and cut the head off. (laughs) And then they would take, then the other one would be Goliath and the other one would be David. And I had more fun. Debbie and I just watched him. We just laughed and laughed and laughed at two crazy little kids having a big time. But you know, they, they learned something at church. And they learned that a little boy can kill a giant. And I got a kick out of that. I truly did. Grab your Bibles. Mark 14. We'll stand one last time in reverence to the word of God. Mark chapter 14. We're going to start with verse number three. We're going to read all the way down to verse number nine. Mark chapter 14. Start with verse number three. The Bible says in being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper as he sat at meat there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard very precious and she broke the box and poured it on his head and there were some that had indignation within themselves and said why was this waste of the ointment made for it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor and they murmured Against her verse six, and Jesus said, "Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me, For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good, but me ye have not always. She hath done what she could, she has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily, I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Let's pray. Thank you so much for today, Lord. I thank you for the blessed opportunity to be able to share your word with these wonderful people. I ask that in the next several minutes, Lord, you'd open our hearts, open our ears, open our understanding. And I ask that we would walk out of here today with a truth, Lord, from your word, with something from heaven. I ask that you would bless in a very special way. Lord, I know that in a room this size, there are many needs. Lord, there are many hurts. There are many areas that, Lord, there's no way a man could touch them. But, Heavenly Father, I believe your Holy Spirit can. And I ask that he would have free reign, free control, and that you would bless in a very wonderful way this morning. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Mark chapter 14 is a powerful passage. We find here Jesus shortly, very shortly before he is to be crucified. A lady comes in, we know her to be Mary of Bethany, from the other accounts of this, Matthew chapter 26 is a sister passage. A lady comes in and she anoints Jesus. As she is doing so, she is somewhat criticized. The book of John tells us that it was Judas who criticized her. But she does what she came to do. And Jesus defends her. Jesus makes it very plain, and I want to take your attention to Verse number 6, Jesus said, let her alone, why trouble ye her, she hath wrought a good work on me. He goes on to describe several things, defends her, and then in verse 9 he says that wherever the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, the story of this lady and her good work, will be preached as well, and it will be for a memorial unto her. I find that so fascinating, so fascinating. This account in Mark does not give her name. It just very generally speaks of her and what she did. And Folks, I look so often at our Christian lives, and this morning I'm going to talk just about a good work, a good work service for Christ. And I want to be very open, very honest with you. And I want to look at several principles concerning this on both sides of the fence. Because I looked at this store and I thought, you know, um, humanly speaking, they really didn't appreciate it. Eternally speaking, it was of great value. And uh, friend, this morning, as you look at your life, as you look at what you do and why you do it, I would beg you to take this passage into account and and look at what it is trying to teach us and put some things from this passage into your life, and I believe it will be of great value to you. I want to give you two points first that are very real, and then I'm going to give you three points as far as the spiritual matter is concerned. Number one, when you do things, a good work for Christ, you will be judged and you may be criticized. The Bible says that there were some in verse 4 that had indignation within themselves. When you... Do something for God. You will be judged and you may very well be criticized. You, you say, oh, no, no, you don't understand. No, folks, understand what's going on here, all right? I mean, this lady had come and she had performed a, 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 a very, very costly sacrifice to her Savior. Folks, there are going to be times in life when people look at you and say, why, why do you go to church? Why do you give money there? Why do you do that? I'll tell you why. Because you believe in something far bigger than yourself. But the world looks at that and they criticize you. They criticize us for serving a God that we cannot see. They criticize us for loving one whom we cannot touch. But my friend understands something. That's the world. You see, the one who criticized her was a man who was headed for hell, a man who would very shortly, and if you go down to verse number 10 and read, you find that Judas himself goes out and very shortly after this betrays Christ. You see, you will be judged, you very well may be criticized. Secondly, you may even be mocked and persecuted. People will say, there's so many other things you could have done with that. You could have done so much more with your money or with your life, with your talent or your ability. But I say to you this morning, my friend, They're wrong. They're wrong. You see, we we have allowed a worldly concept to enter into Christianity. We have said if we cannot see the results on this earth, it must not have been invested wisely, and that's dead wrong. The Bible teaches us in the book of Matthew to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. And my friend, let me ask you this. Has anybody been to heaven yet? No, sir. We've not been there. I don't see what I have up there, but I know I've laid some things up in heaven where moth and rust is not corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. It's safe. It's, it, God's taken care of it for me. He's protecting it. It's in His hands. Yet I see in our Christianity today a concept that says unless you can see it multiply on this earth, you've wasted it. Folks, I'll tell you this. There are people in this room who could take their talent and their ability and make a lot of money for themselves. They could make a very good lifestyle for themselves. But I'll tell you this. They're wrong. They're wrong. There are people today that are making millions and and, and they're garnering great attention and great accolades from man, mankind. But friend, they're wrong. They're wrong. You say, are you against money? No. Are you against praise? No. What I am against... Is us doing it for that very reason. You see, this earth, whatever you lay up, it's gone. It, was, it wastes away. But what you lay up for Christ, it lasts forever. Number one this morning, spiritual application is what is done to Christ is never wasted. You see, in verse 4 those that had indignation in themselves and criticized her, said, why was this a waste of the ointment made? Yet what is done for Christ and through Christ is never wasted. It's never wasted. God has never taken anything that's been given to Him and used it unwisely. God has never taken anything that's been given to Him and squandered it or misused it. Everything that has ever been done in Christ and to Christ and for Christ has been properly used. And folks, understand this: you say, "Boy, you 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 don't you don't see it the way I see it." You're right, you're right. Because when we do something for Christ, it's not wasted. You say, "Oh, that person's talent." Boy, we have some talented singers, and tonight some of them are going to sing, and then I'm going to sing. Amen. And. We'll see that there are those that have talent and those that don't when it comes to that. But there are those that have ability to sing and they could make a profit off of their voice. Yet, my friend, I'll tell you this. If you use it for that reason, you're wasting it. You're to use your talent and your ability for the Lord. You're to use it for His praise and His glory and His edification. We're not to take what we have and use it for us. We're to take what we've been given and use it for Him. And you say, but I could use that talent for the world, but my friend... You'll waste it there. But when you use it for Christ's service, my friend, it's never wasted. There are some people in this room, you're fabulously talented. You have abilities and areas where you could succeed and make profits and, and, and make wealth and make fame and make fortune. But you've decided to serve God with your life and you've decided to live for Him and make a difference. And you're not wasting it. Please understand that. Please get a hold of that this morning because I I look at Christianity and we've we've come to this concept where we say, well, unless we see the blessing in in this life, God's not in it. And that's not true. That's not true. You see, number one, what is done for Christ is never wasted. Number two, what's done for Christ or that good work itself will mean far more than if used by any other method. You see, if it's done unto the Lord, He'll multiply it. If it's done to self, it ends with our power or our life. You see, there are some people who have ability to make something. I think we all do. I think God's given us all some talents and some abilities. And I think we can use those and make a little name for ourselves over we're on this earth. I think there are some of us who have great skills when it comes to singing or great skills when it comes to organization or great skills when it comes to leadership and so on and so forth. Every one of us in this room has great abilities and great talents given to us by God. But when you give it to Him, He multiplies it. See, God can do that. He can take your little and make it much. You know, I'm always amazed, folks. God called people to be great who were little in the world's eyes. See, people that were nothing became something when God said, let me use what you have. And that person looked at what they had and said, it's not much. You know, Moses, when he met God at the burning, fire, the, the burning bush, He walks up to this thing, and what a sight that would have been, amen? Right in the middle of that burning bush is is, is an angel, and that angel is speaking to Moses. And it tells Moses what he is going to do. And Moses says, oh, come on. (laughs) Let's get real here, amen? The angel says, Moses, what do you have in your hand? And Moses replied, he said, I have a stick. It's a rod. It's my shepherd's staff. the angel said, cast it down. And when Moses cast that rod down, we all know the story, it instantly became a snake. An angel said, pick it up, and he picked it up by the tail. Moses wasn't dumb. And instantly it turned back into a staff. You see, God can take it and multiply it. See, God can take you and make something meaningful of your life. And I would beg you to realize that a good work in and of itself will mean nothing if it's done for our means. But if it's done in the name of Christ, it can be multiplied by Him. You see, my job this morning is not to preach to a congregation of many. My job is to preach to a congregation of one. You see, my job is not to please people, but to please God. Because if I please Him, He'll multiply my efforts and He'll multiply my abilities and He'll multiply my talents far more than I could ever hope to. You see, my job is not to please a congregation of a multitude. My congregation is to please Him. And my desire this morning is to be to my Savior. I ought not to desire accolades or awards or the praise of men, but of the Lord. You see, we have a conflict in many of our hearts. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, the Bible says you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is, is, is a word, and it's a little, it's a vague word. Uh, some people refer to it as, as money, and it can. But mammon in and of itself is a word that means wealth, worldly success. You cannot serve God, the Jehovah God, or, and the world's success. You can't do that. And when you attempt to, the Bible says in that very same verse that you will love the one and hate the other. You can't do it. So you can't please both worlds. You cannot please this life. You cannot please yourself and please God. You can't do it. There's no way a person is able to do so. You cannot serve God and mammon. And you see, when we're living our life for ourselves, we're failing. We're failing. We're throwing our talents away. This morning on the radio broadcast, I used the verse out of Joshua chapter 24. Joshua Tells the people of Israel to choose you this day whom ye will serve. My friend, today, are you serving the Lord? Are you doing a good work unto Him? And letting Him multiply the efforts? This little lady, she came in and she she, she anointed Jesus Christ's body. She she loved Him. She was devoted to Him. And Christ took her efforts and for 2,000 years her story has been told. I think she got a pretty good return, don't you? She did it to Christ. She didn't care about what his disciples said. And folks, his disciples were influential men. Not as influential as when Christ ascended, but influential men in and of themselves. These people, the, the peasants and the common people today that followed Christ knew he had 12 men he invested in. And when these men began to criticize her, I'm sure part of her heart began to ache a little bit. I'm sure part of her said, don't you understand what I'm doing? Don't you understand who I'm doing this to? Don't you understand why? But she said, I'm going to do it unto the Lord. And he multiplied her efforts accordingly. You see, Christian today, choose you whom you're going to serve. The Bible is so plain. It says whom. That is a specific somebody. You're going to serve someone. Who will it be? Who will it be this morning, friend? You know, I go to the story in the Old Testament, the story of Elijah and King Ahab. They met. They had a confrontation. Elijah talked to the people of Israel, and the people of Israel were well into idol worship, worshiping a false god by the name of Baal. Elijah told the people, he said, you've got to decide. He said, you, you can't halt between two opinions. He said, you either choose to serve the Lord or you choose to serve Baal. He said, choose one or the other. Very much like Matthew chapter 6. The people answered nothing, had no idea what to say. You see, on one side they had God's man. On the other side they had the king. And Elijah said, fine, let's go. Let's go. We'll begin this confrontation. We'll begin this contest. And we all know the story how Baal's prophets, and by the way, the the, the significance behind the God that they served, Baal was a sun god. They were trying to call fire out of heaven. You get the correlation, don't you? They prayed, they sang, they danced, they cut themselves. Elijah mocked them and said, why isn't your God answering you? What's wrong with him? Where is he? We know the story. Nothing happened. Then Elijah came and he built an altar unto the God of gods. And he took the stones and he took the sticks and he took water and he dumped it and drenched that, that sacrifice and he put the animal on it. And he prayed and fire came from heaven. You see, you say, boy, he was a great man of God. No, he just served the Lord. He performed a good work. Folks, I'm sorry. There aren't People who can call fire out of heaven I, I mean it you say well that would be a great town to have it sure would be but that's of God God took a little man who stood for him and served him and performed a good work and said Elijah I'll answer that prayer here comes the fire boy wouldn't that have been great to see that wouldn't that have been incredible to watch as God works but this morning I want you to understand the good work itself will mean far more if it's unto the Lord. You see, we've missed that. Christian, be so careful. Thirdly, that good work in Mark chapter 14, it will be remembered forever. In verse number 9, Jesus tells all all those that are present that her work, that her act, her deeds will never die. every person in this room I, I believe searches for relevance meaning we we, we all want to do something that matters. I really believe that. I don't think anybody in this room says, well, you know, I don't care really what my life is. I don't care what matters. I mean, even, even the rich farmer in the Bible that says eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow I die, he, he, he was very much about what he was doing and what he was planning and building greater barns and making a name for himself. Don't misunderstand that. He lived a carefree lifestyle, but he had a lifestyle that said, I, I believe that I have found relevance. I, I have found it in my wealth and my, my ability to be somebody in the neighborhood. I think everybody in this room this morning, we search for relevance. And this morning, I want you to understand that what you do for Christ, it will last forever. If you want real meaning, if you really want a defined place in eternity, I'm telling you how to get it today. Now, I understand the Bible is finished being written. All 66 books are complete, all right? We've shut the the, the, the chapter. It's done. But let me say this. There's a place called heaven. And in heaven, we have... A God who remembers everything that's ever been done for him. Hebrews chapter 11, a wonderful passage in the Bible, and I wish we had time to turn there and go through it, but in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, Paul is writing, and he goes through a multitude of men and women who were faithful to God. We call it the hall of faith. And we go through Abraham and Sarah. We go through Isaac and through Jacob. We go through Moses. We go through all these great men, wonderful men who served God, And then it comes to a passage there, Hebrews chapter 11, I believe it's verse number 36. And the writer says, what more shall I say then? For the time will fail me to tell. And he goes on and he mentions some more names, doesn't mention their acts, what they did. But he says that they did it unto the Lord. You know, friend, this morning, would you understand something? What you do for Christ will be remembered forever. Everything done in his name, everything done for him, everything done for Christ will last. And I think we forget that sometimes we say, well, you know, it's just a, it's just a, little, it's a little kindness. No, it's kindness that will be remembered forever. Oh, it's just, a, it's just a, a gesture of appreciation. Oh, it's just a little bit of money to help somebody out. It's, just a, it's a, just a tithe to keep the church going. It's just, and God says, don't you understand everything done in my name is eternal? Everything. It'll be remembered. And, and folks, you say, this little lady, all she did was anoint Jesus. You're right. And it's remembered forever. Hey, Christian, I think you and I could both do some things that will last for eternity. You say, who am I? I sat down in my office last night and I had more fun going through the Word of God and finding people who we would say weren't much. But God took their works and made them mean something. You see, we, we got this idea that to be a true servant of God, you have to be a pastor or a pastor's wife. You have to be a deacon or a deacon's wife. You have to be a Sunday school teacher. You have to be this. You have to be that. Folks, that couldn't be further from the truth. Now, don't get me wrong. You can serve God while being a pastor. It is possible. Amen? Hope one or two of you get something this morning. Yeah. Some of you say, I don't know. Do you know that being, I wish Brother Moore were here this morning. Brother Moore is a State trooper for the state of Wisconsin. He's out there right now oppressing the people. (laughs) But do you know that Romans chapter 13 teaches that his job is of God? Do you know, we studied this in 1 Peter chapter 2, that being a ruler, whether it's a president, a mayor, an elderman, that's of God? Do you know you can serve God that way? Do you know that you can serve God? I was reading over in Exodus 35, a man by the name of Bezalel and Aholiab. You know what they were? They were craftsmen. They they were skilled in the art of woodworking and metalworking. Do you know that you can be a servant of God? You can perform a good work to Him? Brother Leopard. you do wood floors for a living. The wood floor I stand on today was done as a work unto the Lord. Amen. Brother Leopard, do you know who his helper was? Me. And if you work with me, it's unto the Lord. Amen. I mean, I... He called, he called me every name in the book, and God forgave him. I'm working on it. But, but you know what? That's a work unto the Lord. The trim work done in this, in this auditorium was done by Roger Timmerman. It was unto the Lord. You say, but, but I'm not a pastor. I'm not a deacon. I'm not this or I'm not that. Are you doing what you're doing unto the Lord? That's what's important. You say, but, but, but I don't have a position. You don't need a position. In fact, I would advise against it. Having a position is hard. It causes problems. It causes turmoil. Just do what you're doing unto the Lord. I mean, get a burden and get a vision for serving God and do it. I kept on studying. You know, the Bible in Ephesians 6 talks about employees and employers, management. The Bible in Genesis chapter 3, I think the highest of all callings, it talks about being a mother. Folks, You can do a good work wherever you're at. You say, but I'm nobody. Who was Mary of Bethany? Who was she? She was no one. She was nobody important as far as the world was concerned. She was just one of those disciples, you know, one of those people who followed Jesus. She was a a religious nutcase. She was a wacko, you know. she, She loved the Lord. That's who she was. I went through the Bible last night, and I looked at a little lady by the name of Esther, a lady living in captivity, who became a queen. I looked at Daniel, a young man who was a captive boy, who became an advisor to the king. I looked at Samson, a man who was a Nazarite, separated unto the Lord. I looked at a man by the name of Jehu, a soldier who performed good work to the Lord. I looked at the Apostle Paul, who was a scholar. God can use smart people, amen? I looked at Baruch. He was a writer, a scribe. I looked at Abraham, who was retired. <laughs> amen? Abraham was getting up in years. And God said, I'm calling you back into service, son. Let's go. I mean, I looked through the Word of God, and I found people of all shapes and all varieties and all sizes. I found them in all walks of life and all in all all professions and you know what they were they were serving God you say oh pastor come on I mean pastor you don't understand I mean I can't serve God as much as the deacon can I know our deacons you can now folks I mean I'm, I'm kidding we got good deacons Well, you're dead today folks you're just dead you can't smile I mean it's okay you can smile you can is it cold in here some of you are nodding yes, some of you nodding no. I can't even get a straight answer out of that. But folks, you see, we, we, we so often look at the Christian life and that you, we say, well, I've got to be somebody first. No, it's, it's actually better if you're a nobody first. That's how God always works. God doesn't want somebodies. He can make nobody somebodies. He's not interested in someone who says, I am something. God wants somebody who says, I'm nothing except a bunch of dust and clay in your sight, God. Use me. You see, we've lost that concept. We've lost the, the, the greatness and the power of God. I looked at David and Moses. They were both shepherds. I looked at Gideon, who was a farmer. I looked at Amos, a man who was a rancher, a herdsman of the day. I looked at Matthew. He was a tax collector. He worked for the government. Do you know that can be a servant of God, amen? I mean, folks, I mean, you look at these things, and you look at these people, and you say, boy, you know, I, I just don't think I can serve the Lord. You're wrong you're wrong. You see, I I don't think I can do a good work for God. I don't think my life can mean something. You're missing the point. I looked at Peter and Andrew and James and John. They were nothing but a bunch of fishermen. I looked at Joseph. He was a servant, a head butler, if I could say it. I looked at Hushai, a counselor for David. Do You know there's even godly counselors. I looked at Noah, a boat builder. Business was bad for Noah. You ever think about that? Everybody looked by and said, Noah, you're crazy. You're dumber than a box of rocks. You're building a boat. We don't need boats, Noah. We don't have rain. Don't worry about it. No, I mean, you're building in the wrong place, Noah. If you're going to build a boat, Noah, you build it down by the docks. You don't build it in the middle of land. Could you just see old Noah? I mean, folks, for 100 years, the man got ridiculed for performing a good work. He'd go out and tell people, hey folks, God is sending judgment. Turn to him. Turn to him and the people would say, Noah, we've seen what you're doing. You're crazy. You're nuts, man. You're building a big boat in the middle of a landlocked area and you expect God to somehow float your boat. Noah said, you're absolutely right. I looked at Ruth and I got such a kick out of this one. You know what Ruth was? She was a migrant worker. That's what she was. She was from the country of Moab. I don't know if she was an illegal citizen or not. I'm not sure about the... But folks, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, you look at these people and you say, who are they? Nobodies. They're people that were just everyday, ordinary folks like you and I. But they performed good works to the Lord. And their good works to the Lord gave them relevance and gave them meaning. And what they did will be remembered forever. Man, I find that exciting. I looked at John the Baptist. You know what he was? He was a hermit. That's what he was. The Bible says that he lived out in the wilderness until the day of his appearing. When his ministry began, but he spent all the time by himself. He was a loner, someone who didn't like people. He just stayed away. I looked at Nehemiah. And Tim, I thought of you when I thought of this. Nehemiah was a food salesman. He was the cupbearer to the king. Folks, I looked at all these professions and and I've got a a list that could go on for another 20 minutes and I won't do so for sake of time. But I looked at these people, these men and these women, and I looked at what God did for them and with them and through them. And I thought, why do we miss it? Why do we say that we can't be used to God? Why do we limit him? Why do we constantly say, well, I'm I'm just nobody. That's what God wants. God wants you. God wants you so he can take your life and make it mean something. You say, oh, you, you don't know me. I mean, I'm a teenager. God uses teenagers. You say, I mean, I'm just a regular factory worker. God uses factory workers. I mean, folks, some of the greatest revivals, the last great revival in our nation was started by a bunch of factory workers who just got on their knees and prayed. I think I could take almost every profession and find somebody in the Bible or definitely someone in history who God used. And friend, what I'm trying to tell you today is if you want to have something that lasts for eternity, perform a good work for Him. Perform a good work for the Lord. Don't be so caught up in your legacy. Be caught up in serving Him. Oh, this morning I'd beg you to realize a good work done in the name of Christ is never wasted. It can be multiplied exceedingly above anything we can comprehend. And lastly, a good work done for Him will be remembered forever. I look at that story and I it's, it got such a blessing out of reading that and studying it and going over it. Because I, ca- I saw somebody that was very ordinary be extraordinary. I said, there's somebody who I can relate to. There's somebody in this passage who isn't even named. Who God says, they're a they're big deal in my book. <laughs> hey, hey, they, they're, they're a big man on campus in heaven. Oh, the world may hate them. The world may despise them. The world may ignore them. The world may criticize them. The world may mock them and even persecute them. But boy, you've got to hold on here a minute, because when we get to really what matters, oh, they are going to be some. Christian today, would you, would you take a look at that? My friend today, if you're born again and you know Christ, would you look at what you're doing with your life? And would you look at what kind of works you're performing? Let's go and stand to our feet, every head bowed, every eye closed. In a moment, the instruments will begin to play. And friend, I'd encourage you, whatever your walk of life, whatever you do, realize that while doing that, you can perform a good work for the Lord. My friend, I'd beg you to realize this. Everybody in this room who has accepted Christ has a life that means something to their Savior. Would you please, please, please use it for Him. As the instruments begin to play, I'd encourage you to come to the altar if the Lord's laid something on your heart. Well, folks, praise the Lord. Thank you for being with us this morning. Let me, let me add this. Folks, I know some of you say, boy, I, I do something and it, it's, it's no great shakes. But do you know that maybe God has you there for a purpose? The story of Joseph is probably one of the most dynamic stories in the Bible. Do you know God knew where he was every moment he went from being a favored son to being a slave to being a prisoner to being second in command in Egypt. Do you know God had him all along the way? You say, Pastor, my, my, my situation isn't real good right now. Maybe God's trying to use your situation. Maybe there's somebody you can reach. Maybe there's someone that, 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 that I can't get to or somebody that nobody can get to except for you. And God has you just there for that reason. Where you are and what you're doing isn't a mistake. God wants to perform a good work in your life. And my friend, let him by performing good works every day. Folks, that's how we please God. We please him by living for him. We please him by dedicating ourselves to his service. You don't get born again that way. You get born again by grace through faith. But you please him. By service. I'll realize the importance of that. God is pleased with those that labor for Him. Let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Don't forget tonight, seven o'clock, if you're planning on singing, please, please, please see Brother Dahl. If you haven't, he'll get you scheduled in. And one I need to mention this: Mary Elliott um, had cancer surgery on Tuesday. She is doing fantastic. Um, the home health nurse has been there several times and has just said she is doing so well. So keep praying. And uh, by God's grace, Mary will be back with us soon. But we're so thankful for his goodness in that way. Brother Mike Reed dismisses.